This is Canada Reads American Style, featuring two friends who love Canada Reads and Canadian literature. Welcome our host Rebecca from Michigan and Tara from Ontario. Hi everyone, it is Rebecca and Tara, and today we have a special guest that we're really excited about. It is Trish from Trish Talks Books on Instagram, and we are really excited to have you with us today. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. Great. Welcome, Trish. Let's start our episode with you telling us a little bit about yourself. Sure, sure. So I uh, retired about two years ago now and was looking for something to do. I've always been a reader, but you know, in the busy kind of professional life, I wasn't reading quite as much. And a few months into retirement, I I started reading more and I thought, you know, I'm going to start a blog. I can write about books. I can review books. Uh, It was easier said than done. So uh, it was, it's hard to make a blog to set it all up. I did, and it's trishtalksbooks.com. And I really love writing on my blog, but I also discovered Instagram. I was never on Instagram. It's easier than a blog. And I love it. And I discovered this wonderful corner of books of Instagram called Bookstagram, which you guys are on. And that's how I met you. I really appreciate both of your uh, Instagram accounts. So I read, I write about books, done more reading and writing than I ever have. I've gotten to know, you know, chatted with some authors and now a podcast. So it's been great. That's already a lot in like, did you say two years or how long have you been? When did you start the blog? Uh, so I retired two years ago at two years at the end of this month in June. And I sat around for about six months. You know, it's the typical yeah. retirement. I'll do nothing for six months and just see <laughs> what comes of it. So stereotypical. But, uh, you know, at, at around Christmas of that year, so 18 months ago is really when I got the blog. Uh, started and then Instagram right after that. So yeah, it's been fantastic. Awesome. Well, do you want to start by also sharing? Well, no, I guess not starting because we've Mm -hmm. already started. (laughs) Let's continue (laughs) with you sharing your first book with us. Sure. And, uh, and I also want to say just before I share my first book, I really appreciate your podcast and, and your Instagram because it's been wonderful getting to know Canada Reads. I think, you know, this is one of you guys' area of expertise. And um, it's been a real inspiration this year, uh, getting to, to um, uh, read the Canada Reads books. And I just wanted to say that up front because it's been very inspiring. So thank you very much. Well, thank you. Uh, That's thank so you. nice. So, yeah, I, it was really an interesting process picking three books. Mm -hmm. It was really hard because I have all the books that I want to talk about. What I uh, wanted to do is try to bring books today that um, are new to me, that brought something new to me in the past 18 months. So the first book I'm going to talk about is probably familiar to many people, perhaps to you guys, and it is Braiding Sweetgrass. Have you heard of this Mm -hmm. one? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Have you read it? Oh yeah. <laughs> okay. I just had started it, but I have not gotten all the way through it yet, but yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm a huge fan. I, I love that book, Trish. Okay, good. Me too. 
So this is uh, Braiding Sweetgrass by Robin Wall Kimmerer, and it was published in 2013, so it's not a new book. And she is a member of the, I'm going to pronounce it wrong, but Potawatomi Nation, uh, So um, and a professor of botany, and she lives in New York State. So wonderful book. The reason I wanted to talk about it uh, is that I never listened to audiobooks until I started my bookstagram account and my blog. And I listened to Braiding Sweetgrass on audiobook. And it was a beautiful experience because Kimmerer narrates her own words. And I find that to be quite a magical experience. So I had also picked up a physical copy of the book for one of my local little free libraries. So I would listen to the book and then I would come back and I would read passages that really spoke to me. And it was a great way to read the book. Mm. Yeah. So I like it also because I'm trying to read more uh, Indigenous literature. And I think this month, perhaps, of June is Indigenous History Month as well. So I'm trying to be more thoughtful about that kind of, uh, about reading Indigenous literature. Can I just say, I am, I've never been an audiobook listener, but I have to say, I'm going to totally look for this in audio because I love the stories, but I keep, I, I read one and then I, and I love it. And then I don't go back to the book because to me, it's not a book necessarily I would read straight through, but I love the idea of listening to the audio version. Tara, did you listen to the audio? I did not, but I've heard an interview with the author and she, she does have like a beautiful, like, uh, a very relaxing voice. Like it's just a voice that kind of puts you at ease. So I can yeah. imagine that it would be a great audio book. Like I, it's on my list to now listen to it as an audio book yeah, as definitely. well. Yeah. She's at once got an engaging style, but also almost a meditative style. Mm-hmm. And that's what made it quite a, a wonderful experience. And, and I think that it's, it's a book of stories. So you can, read it, and then you can come back to it at a different Mm -hmm. time. Each chapter, she sort of starts with an idea, and then she takes that and it becomes a self-exploration. And for example, she has uh, moves into a home with her children quite a few years ago, and there's a pond that is covered in algae. And she takes that idea of wanting to clean up that pond so it can be a swimming area for her children. And this turns into a multi-year affair of cleaning it out. But also it leads her to talk about what is motherhood, both for in the human uh, plant and animal world, what is responsibility to nature, what is reciprocity. So it was really it was really neat that way. And I like that she marries sort of the Western science part of herself with ways of Indigenous knowing. And that mm. was a, a beautiful thing to read as well. Very powerful. Yeah. It, it was neat because there was a lot of beauty in it. But then she also uh, sort of let loose some of her anger. And there was a chapter uh, where she takes the idea of the Wendigo which is an indigenous monster uh, to do with greed and consumption. And that's a Wendigo becomes a stand-in for society's you know, greed and overconsumption. And it was very powerful to hear. Mm-hmm. Excellent yeah. first choice. Yeah. Yep. Good Thank start. You. Good and start. I will, I will say that uh, one of the inspiring things I took from the novel is that she talks about a three sisters 
garden, which is planting corn, beans, and squash. I love the idea. So I'm a vegetable gardener. So I've dedicated one of my veggie beds to doing a three sisters garden oh. this year. So I'm very excited. Oh, that's awesome. Oh my mm-hmm. gosh. I love that. I will, since we're all on the uh, Robin Wall Kimmerer train, I will put in that I recently read her other book, uh, The Gathering Moss. And it's likewise, Trish, it's beautiful. It's a smaller book, but she does the same thing except the botany is very focused on mosses, which Mm -hmm. I loved. And she does the same thing. She interweaves like indigenous culture and storytelling with uh, societal issues. And it's just, it's amazing. So I, I'm going to put that out there for you to grab next. I'm going to put that on my TBR. Absolutely. Okay. So I will go with my first book of this chat. And mine is This Is How We Love by Lisa Moore, which I think came out, oh, I should have known, uh, very recently, within the last year. I think it was in 21 or 22. I'm going to go with 22. I'm guessing here, though. Uh, Lisa Moore is a Newfoundland writer. And I've only, I love Newfoundland writers. I was born and raised in Newfoundland. So I have a soft spot for Newfoundland writers and storytelling. However, she is, she is not new to the Canadian literature scene, but she is a new writer to me. I think I've read one other book of hers and that was only within the last year. So this is the second book of hers and I've picked up the rest of her books and I'm going to work my way through her backlist. But this one is her most recent one. This is How We Love. And it tells the story of family and the tangled relationships of family and even sometimes how our family includes people that we don't necessarily want to be in our family, (laughs) but but they are and that's what makes family. Uh, it's beautiful. And it's, uh, I would say the jump off point of it is, is I can't remember the main character's name. She is, she and her husband are on vacation and they get a phone call that her 20 year old son has been shot or sorry, stabbed. So he's been in a fight. This is right at the beginning. And it's in the middle of the snowstorm, that huge snowstorm that Newfoundland had a couple of years ago. And she has to find her way back to him. And when she does, it's them coming to terms with his injury and what happened and the story behind it. And it delves into young motherhood, his childhood, all the relationships. And it's, uh, it's beautiful. It's amazing. I loved it. What was the other one that she, that you've read that you really highly recommended? There was February or February. That's it. That was about the ocean ranger uh, disaster in the eighties in Newfoundland. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that yeah, one's on my, that's on my TBR. Yeah, you know. she's a great writer. This sounds like yeah. a wonderful book. I, I love stories about family, the complexity and uh, the, uh, the exploration of those relationships. So I'll have to yeah. put her on my TBR as well. Oh, yeah, please do. It's because it is, yeah, it is about family. Now, I found some of it difficult to read only because she really deep dives into that relationship between a parent and the child when your parent learns that you can't keep the child safe at all times. And so I found it difficult as a mother to read it because that's your biggest fear sometimes, right? Is your children and not being kept safe. Yeah. That's always challenging. Yeah. Okay. Rebecca, 
because I'm like getting all choked up. Let's move on to yours. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to move into nonfiction as uh, okay. I'm so happy and thrilled to be back in my nonfiction world. Yay. So I read True North Rising, my 50-year journey with the Inuit and Dene leaders who transformed Canada's north by Whit Fraser. It was published in January of this year, and he was a former CBC reporter for, I guess, 50 years. And he is married, his second wife is Mary Simon, who is Canada's first Indigenous Governor General. And I don't know how that falls in your political, like how big of a role that is. I'm not really sure what that position is, but she is their first, your first Indigenous Governor General. And so I love this memoir because I'm, I've always, since I was a young kid, been fascinated by the North, whether it's Canada or Finland or Siberia or wherever. I've always just been really fascinated by people who live in such a cold, harsh environment and how they thrive. And so I picked this book up last year and it was really interesting because he is a, an, a white man <laughs> who went to the North to be this reporter, to report the news, et cetera, to the community. And he embraced everything about the culture. He also was embraced by the people because he was there for so long. He was respectful. He was uh, really wanting the North to, to change and evolve and be more powerful than they had been in the past. So he was really, he was incredible. But this book isn't really, it's about him, but he really more focuses on a number of different key players in the North and historically, and most of them were activists. So he really kind of paints these interesting portraits of them individually. And I think maybe there were like seven or eight individuals that he really talked about, which I love. But here's, I want to just close this part out with, in Goodreads, they say at the end, he may have begun as a know-nothing reporter from the South, but he soon fell in love with the North, and his memoir is a testament to more than 50 years of commitment to its people. And that's what it is. It's really a love story to the North. And it was a really kind of, I don't want to say easy read, but I'm, you know, it was something you could sit down that it wasn't going to take a ton of brain power, but I learned so much about the North. It's exactly the kind of thing I love to read about. And I would highly recommend this book. If you like nonfiction, if you like the North, if you want to know more about the history of how things changed politically, it's a, I think it's a great, great read. Nice. It's on my that list. Sounds, yeah. sounds wonderful. I, I'm really enjoying memoir lately and I, I don't know enough about Canada's North. So this sounds like a wonderful book to introduce in that. Yeah, it really, because there it, it, it was about so many different people. And then I would look them up on, you know, I Googled them all, of course, and learned even more about them. And some of them, when he was starting out, they were so young. And now I look at them and it's like, well, it's 50 years later. So they're, you know, they're like in their 70s now. And I'm just like, gosh, it, he made it feel like it was just yesterday. But then I look at it and these people are all, you know, older or past. So it was just really fascinating. So, yeah. Okay. So Trish, what's what do you have next? All right. For something completely different, uh, do you both read short stories? Do you gravitate towards short story collections or not? A little bit. And I love specifically linked stories. That's my favorite, linked short stories. I traditionally do not read a lot of short stories. Like I don't, uh, I don't search them out. 
but I've read more in the last couple of years and I do enjoy them when I read them. Yeah, that's that's like me as well. And I never really reached for short story collections, but I have since uh, being on Bookstagram and writing the blog. Mm -hmm. So my next choice is a collection of short stories and it is Tell Me Pleasant Things About Immortality by Lindsay Wong. So she's a Canadian writer and I wondered if you'd heard of her because her first book her last book was The Woo Woo which yeah. was I think yes. long list or a finalist for Canada Reads in 2019. Mm -hmm. I've heard but I haven't read any of her her books actually. I read The Woo Woo but I mm -hmm. haven't read this collection yet. I hear they're quite different. So this collection uh, is a horror uh, short story collection and I'm a big horror reader. I love mm -hmm. horror and uh this reading was an experience. I went into it not knowing much at all about the book, and I love doing that sometimes because I can be super surprised. Mm -hmm. And from the first page, this writing, if you like wacky, weird, it was bonkers writing. <laughs> uh, it really was. The characters were out of this world, kind of audaciously greedy and terrible. Uh, but it was super fascinating, and there's a lot of humor in the book as well. And uh, the stories are not linked, but the neat thing about this collection was as I read through the stories, the experience of reading changed, and I realized there was method behind what she was doing. The middle stories in the book really started to be meaty with these. There's a lot of marriage of Chinese and Western culture, which was really neat to me. And there's a lot of the theme of women in peril, of female suffering. So actually quite difficult to read in its own way for those reasons. There was a story that I really liked called The Ugliest Girls, and it really was a comment on um, our society's fascination, I think, with beauty, with wealth, and also um, the way we feed off of people suffering in their misery, like reality TV and the, the difficult parts of social media and such. Really uh, a neat story, but quite troubling. And then as you go through the book to the end, it's quite difficult in the middle. And at the end, she gives us some really satisfying feminist comeuppance Yay. So the <laughs> smashing the patriarchy type of story at the end this like little wee bit of hope and, and a way out and uh, there were so many stories I loved in this collection and reading really was like an experience so I if you like horror if you're interested in trying short stories and really out there wacky writing I would highly recommend it just went on my list Thank you. <laughs> and Tara, Tara is a horror reader. So I yeah. think, Tara, you're going to like this, it sounds like. Yeah. I think I just, we realized just this past week, I think, Trish, through mm -hmm. Instagram, that we share a common horror, love of horror kind of thing. So yes, that's I'm right. I'm taking it's, that one. It's great. And there's been a few really good horror short story collections. And, uh, and this is one of them. So I'm really loving it. Lots of trigger warnings here. But I think that, uh, I think that a lot of people are going to like this. Yeah. Sounds great. Okay, I'm going to take a, like a complete turn away from uh, your book <laughs> Okay, with my next one. And I'm going with a poetry book. Nice. So this, yeah. So this one is called A Dress Made from Light by Sherry Doyle. And Sherry is 
a local poet in Ontario. And I actually found this book through Instagram. Like I follow Sherry on Instagram. I believe she is at the River Pages, but I can double check that and put that in our show notes. And she had posted about her book. And I was like, well, that sounds lovely. So I went and ordered it. And it is one of my favorite poetry books now that I've read it. I am a poetry reader now, but it's only in the last uh, few years that I've become one. But this one is, it's just beautiful. Again, it's difficult to read in the subject matter because it's uh, Sherry's mother had Alzheimer's. So it's her going through the the journey as her mother goes through Alzheimer's. It's her going through it with her. I'm going to read the little, this is what Sherry had put on her Instagram post. Uh, This collection of poems considers memory curation, the saving, making, and remaking of memory from the perspective of a daughter whose mother is experiencing memory loss. Interspersed throughout the poems are photographs of objects that are makers of memory. The objects once held by creative, industrious hands, presented along the riverbanks, nestled into trees, or cradled by a path into deeper woods. And it's just a beautiful book like it's it's stunning her imagery is stunning it's I could only read one or two poems at a time which is how I do it anyways because I would just have to put it aside because even though I'm not going through anything remotely similar at the moment I don't you don't need to, to in order to feel the poet's words and the pictures that she puts through she carries so much it it might be the a picture of a doll in the limbs of a tree, like in the crook of a tree, a jam jar, like those objects of domesticity become so much more when they're linked with her words. It was, it's a beautiful poetry book. And we will put in the notes, we'll link to where the publisher, where I, I ordered it through the publisher's website also, which was a Vocamist Press. Yeah. And I just looked it up on Goodreads and you know, it's not on Goodreads. So yeah, you can, you, you, well, you can add it, you know, oh. you can do that. Yeah. If there's a title that isn't in Goodreads, you can yeah. actually add it. And even if you've got the ISBN, if you add that, it'll, yeah. it'll upload okay, it. Okay. So. Well, I'm, I should do that. Yeah, definitely. Because. Yeah. yeah. It sounds like a book that I would love. I'm also trying to explore more poetry and mm-hmm. just those themes of how fleeting memory is and the meaning of memory to a person and family and how she's yeah. uh, put photographs in just really appeals to me as you speak. Oh, I'm yeah. getting kind of tingly, like I need to read this. Oh yeah. It's really beautiful. Cause you get like the daughter as like an adult and as a young girl, cause she flips back and not flips, but she slips easily into her childhood memories. So then you also get her mother with Alzheimer's and her mother as a young mother. Like it's just, it's a really stunning collection. Those notions of time that sometimes books can bring to us, Mm -hmm. how time passes and the fleetingness of time. I just, I love that as a theme. Yeah. Same here. And I have to say that um, as my parents get older and both of them have memory loss now, and it's funny, I'll ask questions about something that I know they know uh, and then they can't remember the details. And I thought, okay, now they're gone. Like yeah. those, it's just gone. There's no way to retrieve it. Ugh, it's yeah. freaky. So yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, I am going to share, I, I think there should be like a drum roll Tara or something or like okay. a band playing in the background when I say this, but guess what I finished today? Oh, I know. I know. 
but I'm Yay. not going to spoil it. <laughs> okay. I finished today a 600-page book, which I normally do not do not read big books because I have a short attention span, but I read Ted Kennedy, A Life by John A. Farrell. It was published in October of last year, and I heard the author speak, and I thought, uh, well, not, I mean, I heard him on an interview, and I thought, oh, that sounds really fascinating, and because of Tara, I bought the book because she has read a biography of Hillary Clinton. She read the Obama autobiography. And is there a third one? I feel like there was a third one you read. Uh, no, I think that's Just those it. two? I think so. And I thought to myself, oh, for crying out loud, I have a Canadian friend who knows more about American politics in terms of that. <laughs> I and that's, know, but... Well, no, I'm just saying, you, I mean, you know more about those two people than I do at this point. And so I said, I need to start stepping up my pace. So anyway, I read about Ted Kennedy. And I just want to say, I have my little notes here. It is, I did cry at the end. I'm not going to, I'm not going to lie. I cried at the end. So it was, I feel like I've been living with Ted Kennedy for a really long time. Mm -hmm. And I am just so sad that this, that our time together is over. Like, I just want to keep being immersed in his life because while he was a terrible person in some ways because of some of his past behaviors and things that had happened to him. He was also an amazing uh, statesman. Mm -hmm. And so here's one of the points that the author makes that I want to reiterate, because when I started to read this book and realize all of this, I do not know how this man had a 46-year career in the Senate and, despite everything, was still standing at the end. So here's the thing. His parents, Joe and Rose, were monsters, both of them. They were horrible people, really, seriously. Like, I don't know how anybody in the Kennedy family survived these two people. I will not go into the details because I want you to read the book. It's fascinating. And this author, to me, made every sentence interesting. Like, I didn't tap out on anything. It was just fascinating. But he had his older brother died in the war. His sister was in a plane crash in Europe and died. He had a sister who ended up uh, they think now maybe she had depression or something. They She had a lobotomy and was institutionalized the rest of her life. He had two brothers assassinated. He himself survived a plane crash. And of course, then there's the horrible situation with Chappaquiddick, where he was responsible for a young woman's death. Then John Kennedy Jr. died in a plane crash. And then he gets brain cancer at the end of his life. How that man seriously did what he did for the American people, which he did because it goes through all the things that he was probably most proud or most known for, or maybe not even known for, but the things that he accomplished, they will be with us for hopefully many, many years going forward. You know, civil rights, uh, health insurance, different things that we as Americans have because Ted Kennedy also worked across the aisle. And the thing about reading this for me that was the hardest part is to recognize the point at which it switched and that the United States is so divided. I feel like we will never see politicians like him again, people who were willing to reach across the aisle and carve something out. May not have been perfect, but he was willing to try to make life better for people. And I just don't see the U.S. ever being able to go back to that, I can't even imagine that we ever will, which means it will always be a numbers game. How many Republicans are there? How many Democrats are there in terms of what gets passed as legislation or laws that change, Supreme Court, et cetera? So I just am thankful for Ted Kennedy and his life. And I'm so thankful I read this book. And honestly, 
honestly, Tara, I never would have picked it up if you hadn't read those other two books. So thank you for that. Oh, you're welcome for the book, Shane. That's yeah. Totally <laughs> that sounds that sounds really interesting. I, I have know nothing about Ted Kennedy, so I'm really interested to hear you talk about him and how yeah. he sort of was stood up for collaboration and maybe depolarization, which is kind oh, absolutely of a yeah. really important thing. And I was telling, I, I, I told our good friend, um, Jen, I just said, I personally could write a book about how much I loved this book. And that's how, and, and I'm being very, for me, this is, I could say a million more things and I won't, but I just, I, I'm excited because Tara has said she wants to read it and I will be passing my copy on to her and then we'll see if you get through it and, and what you think as well. So yeah. yeah. Okay. Right. Trish, what's your next book? Okay, well, do I ever have a 600-plus page book for you? Oh, oh wow. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> or, or we'll see. We'll see after I describe <laughs> what you think. Um, I uh, wanted to bring a classic. So uh, I've read a book called The Betrothed, and it's by Alessandro Manzoni. It is written in Italian in 1842, so totally Ooh, different wow. here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I never read, again, didn't read many classics in my adult life until the last couple of years, and I'm loving classics. Ooh. I really am. It's something that takes a bit of effort for me, but I usually find them really enriching. I take a lot out of the classics. So this um, was translated into English most recently in 2022 by Michael F. Moore, and that's the translation that I have because... He hosted a read-along on a, an online kind of reading platform called The Public Space, and they have a subsection of their uh, web uh, page called APS, A Public Space Together, and they host read-alongs of classics, and I love this way of reading classics, a group read-along, because they post a schedule. It's a very sensible schedule. It's not too onerous, and every day you can log in, and the host gives a favorite quote, talks a little bit about that day's reading, and it's a great way to not be overwhelmed. Mm, so that's huh. how, yeah, it's wonderful. It's a great way to read classics. It, it, and what is, it's a website or how do you access mm. it? So it's a, I will have to look it up. I think it's a publicspace.org. I could be wrong there. Okay. Well, we'll put the, we'll, once I get it from you, we'll, we'll put it in the show notes for sure, because I think this is fascinating what you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. And the neat thing is that they're all archived. I checked. So even now, cause this, this read along ended uh, a couple months ago. So it's not going to be live as you go along. Cause if you do it with them, it's updated regularly and you're reading with everybody else, but they're still mm -hmm. archived. So you can go on and just read it according to the schedule. Yeah. I've yeah. read a few books that way. So this is a wonderful book, and the reason I wanted to read, uh, bring it today is that uh, it's a classic about two young people, uh, Renzo and Lucia, and they just want to get married, and the local uh, aristocratic villain doesn't, uh, has decided he wants Lucia for himself, not in an honorable way. So he opposes their marriage, and it's basically the next few years of them traipsing about the countryside trying to get married with all of these blocks put in their way. It's high melodrama. It's mm -hmm. very entertaining. There's some complex characters, heroes and villains, and there's a famine. 
happening in the northern Italian countryside during this time. So really interesting historically. So Manzoni is writing this in 1842, but it's set in the 1600s, Italy. It was all very good, but then the book took a turn that became a little bit surreal for me, and one of the reasons why it really, I think people should read this. Uh, After the famine in 1629, the next thing that happens in this book is a plague. The Black Death comes to Milan. And the curious thing was I was sitting there reading the book, and it was almost as if I were reading about the last three years. It, It was weird, you know? Uh, the, the plague comes, it's obviously the plague, but the citizenry of Milan and the government engage in denial. It was like reading something from today, blaming others, they, they blame the doctors, so the, the bearers of bad news <laughs> can't walk through the streets of Milan without getting rotten fruit thrown at them, you know, because they're saying there's a plague. There's political scheming, there's defiance of the quarantine, those kinds of things. It wow. was really very interesting to me. And and, and most difficult uh, thing was that uh, they blamed like magic and foreigners. So they would do citizens arrest of these foreigners and take them and haul them away, even though they were innocent. And, and it was uh, kind of very terribly reminiscent of the anti-Asian hate that really reared its head, you know, during COVID. So very sobering in the middle of this book, just fascinating. And, and so then the plague passes and they go on and they keep trying to get married and you'll have to read to find out what happens. Yeah. But it's fascinating. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There was just a, I actually have one quote here. If I can read it very quickly, they're talking about rumors of people deliberately spreading the plague. It's really reminiscent of conspiracy theories. And this is the quote, people willingly embraced these rumors as they became more distressed by the disease's presence and irritated by its stubborn threat. For anger is quick to punish. And as a wise man accurately observed, it would rather blame troubles on human misconduct against which it can exact revenge than recognize a cause against which it can only resign itself. Just amazing. Wow. So an excellent, a fun book with this interesting <laughs> interlude of the plague. So it's, it's not all serious. It's, it's, it's really good fun. So I'd highly recommend The Betrothed. All right. Okay. I was just looking at it on Goodreads and it says in paperback, it's 720 pages. Oh, there you so, go. 700 plus then. Yeah. I will let Tara read it first. <laughs> I was going to say, that's your next big read, Rebecca. I think it might be. Absolutely. No, it does sound really great. And really I am, good. and I did tell Tara, I am really sincerely trying to get over some of the hangups I have about my reading and just be more open and embrace things. So, and I think I will, I will certainly give this one a try. I will, I'll give it an, a sincere effort. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I definitely recommend that kind of gradual, slow read. So you, yeah. that's the way yeah. I like to do it. Um, so you mm-hmm. don't feel, so I don't feel overwhelmed. I think reading the classics takes this kind of literary muscle that I need to practice. Yeah. Um, and, and when I do, I usually find it really rewarding. So how long did it take you to read then, Trish? Boy, I'd have to look it up, but I think it was a 45 day read or something like okay. that. Oh. So yeah. Yep. You know, totally doable. Uh, you know, maybe I'm just trying to think perhaps about 20, 25 minutes a day of reading okay. if I kept up with the schedule. 
Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. doable. That's and then you can read other books. So, you know, I often have, say, four to five books at a time that I'm reading. So this isn't the one book I'm reading. I'm reading this, yes. and then I'm usually reading lots of other things in between, which is, is a good way to go. Okay, so let's, before I go to my last book, so you read four to five books at a time? Yeah, I do. Different I, genres? Like what, now I'm intrigued by this whole thing. Oh, yeah. So let's see here. So I usually have an audio book going these okay. days. So there's an audiobook that could be fiction or nonfiction. I usually have a nonfiction book that I often read again, kind of a bit a day. I do a bit okay. of a slow read. Yeah. Um, and then I usually have a fiction book going. And okay. right now I'm reading a meditation book slowly. Um, okay. And then I'm also doing another fiction book read along with my daughter. So yeah, I think I have five at the moment. Yeah. But you know, it's like watching TV. You'd never think, well, you can only watch one TV show at a time. You know, people are watching different <laughs> things. So I think it's the same with books and reading. You know, I read several at a time. It's good. It's different genres, fiction and nonfiction. So I can see actually with what with that number. Mm-hmm. Yeah, keeps me keeps me interested. Yeah. Okay, so for my last book, uh, I technically I have not quite finished it, but I'm very close. I'm going to finish it tonight. But it is, it's a fantasy slash horror, and it is called Lost Boy, The True Story of Captain Hook by oh. Christina Henry. I know. I'm flipping loving this book. It's just uh, super fun. It's dark. It's a little gruesome at times, but it is essentially, it's um, Captain Hook's story from the time that he is a young boy. And I think I haven't gotten to the part where he is Captain Hook yet, but I think it's like his, what is that called? When you get the uh, superheroes backstory, I guess me backstory, (laughs) but uh, when uh, told from, so Captain Hook's point of view, when Peter Pan is not the great little boy that we actually think he is, or that he has been, (laughs) is is presented by uh, the traditional story. And it is just a fun book, but I realize I'm saying it's fun because it is just, you just want to flip through it. But as I'm getting further along in the book, I realize I think it's looking at aging and how, what happens when all of a sudden we realize we're aging and we realize we're going to die. So that takes a little dark turn there, but it is a super fun book. I highly recommend it. Yeah. I like, I like a retelling. I totally have to read this book. So this this sounds really, really good. I think that's holy baloney. Okay. Me too. Me too. I have to read this. I think you had me at dark, gruesome, fantasy, (laughs) horror, and aging. All of those things. I know. It's it's so much fun. And it is. It's Peter Pan. Like Peter Pan's a total, oh, (laughs) what can I say that's (laughs) only like inappropriate terms are coming up in my head right now. So I'm just going to not say anything. But he's not... You know, when you look at the dark side of it, this young boy who sneaks in and steals children and brings them back to his private island. Not cool. Not cool. It's really fun. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. All right. Well, I think we have we have a wide ranging list of books for today's program. And I think everyone's going to uh, find something that they want to read uh, from our list. So Trish, we just want to say thank you so much for agreeing to join us today. Uh, We hope that you had a lot of fun, but uh, yeah, thank you so much. Thank you, Trish. I had a great time. Who doesn't love talking about books? I just, 
it's a great experience. Happy reading, everyone. Thank you for joining us on our bookish journey. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider subscribing, rating, and reviewing Canada Reads American Style wherever you listen. You can connect with the podcast and Rebecca on Instagram at Canada Reads American Style and with Tara at On a Branch Reads. Until next time, keep reading.